This is Business of Home. I'm your host, Dennis Scully. Every week, no matter what happens, I'll be talking to leaders and innovators from all corners of the home industry. These are challenging times. The spread of COVID-19 has created uncertainty for the world and for the design community. I hope wherever this finds you, you and your family are healthy and safe. We'll be getting back to regular interviews next week. But for today's episode, I wanted to reach out to leaders in the industry to find out how they plan to navigate these choppy waters and hear what to expect once we're in the clear. Later in the episode, I'll be speaking with Tom Connolly, the CEO of High Point Market Authority, veteran retail journalist Warren Schulberg, and Eric Edelson, the CEO of Fireclay Tile. But I wanted to start the episode with Cheryl Durst, the leader of the International Interior Design Association and a tireless advocate for great design. Cheryl offered some much-needed perspective on the situation at hand and some ideas for how designers will play a role in what's to come. Many interior designers are still working hard to keep the ball rolling for their clients as things change from day to day. Build Lane is offering free resources to help keep your projects moving forward. Their platform allows designers to easily source custom furniture online. A timely tool as work from home is the new temporary norm. During this time, for any custom furniture quote requests, Build Lane will make free shop drawings to keep projects ready to roll and help close those orders now. They're also offering complimentary 3D renderings on all orders placed to provide a tangible resource to share with your clients, keeping them excited and engaged. For $250 off your first order, create your free designer account at buildlane.com boh. That's B-U-I-L-D-L-A-N-E dot com slash boh for $250 off your first order. This podcast is also sponsored by Henry Built. Designers are familiar with Henry Built's craft quality fitted architectural products and know they're both beautifully made and highly functional. But here's the scoop. They recently introduced Primary Objects, a standalone line of furniture made with the same love and care that provides a wider range of options for outfitting your clients' homes. Primary Objects collection includes islands, pantries, seating, tables, vanities, dressers, upholstered furniture, and storage solutions that are built to last. Cheeky clients will especially love the soft and playful poofs in the Gumdrop Ottoman series. Visit objects.henrybuilt.com to learn more. Now, Cheryl, you are someone that is especially not used to working from home or even actually being home very often. More accustomed to working from the United Club or a hotel, but absolutely. As you're traveling around the country and often around the world, what is the the message that you are normally out there delivering and, and, and what are you telling people? Design is the business of life. It touches us in all aspects of our everyday living and, and the value of design, what it means to designers, what it means to clients, what it means to consumers and end users. So at, at what point did you and, and the organization realize that you were going to have to sort of shut everything down, get everyone home and, and sort of rework how you were going to structure the day to day? My mom was actually a microbiologist who specialized in infectious diseases. And so I'm really familiar with 
um, the process and the fluidity of, of how uh, an epidemic, how a pandemic happens. And it was just inevitable. I, you know, we saw this coming. We just saw this coming. So I knew that at some point we would all be managing work and life from home. And I wanted my team to um, have a bit of a head start on that. So we actually started last week, early last week. Well, and and so do you feel that for you personally, sort of knowing that and understanding that, does that reduce your your level of fear or sort of stress around all of this? You know, it's interesting, Dennis, because uncertainty is stress-inducing. And we're living through this moment of social uncertainty and cultural uncertainty and economic uncertainty. Every day brings something new and something different. Uh, We're all having to, right? We've all worked from home, many of us, under quote unquote normal circumstances. But now there are layers of it. People are uh, working from home and also managing the education of their young children. If if you've got a kid in the house who's in K through 12, you're needing to manage their learning. Um, And even beyond in higher ed, my son who goes to RISD is at home right now. <laughs> is home. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tech help. Yeah. Yes. Um, he came home, but he's doing online learning, um, has spring break coming up, but um, I'm also on the board of trustees for the New York School of Interior Design, as you know. Um, yes. They've changed over to an online program. So work from home has just, I think for so many of us, extended to accommodate these other facets of life as well. And I think that's adding that to the uncertainty that none of us just knows what tomorrow is going to bring. That's adding to the uncertainty and then adding to our stress. I think for people who are traditionally comfortable working from home, they've already grasped the logistics and the mechanics of it, right? They know how to do it. Right. Um, but again, because this is health related, you know, that just adds that layer that uh, is just making us all a bit uneasy. Yes, and and as you say, not knowing the, the day to day and and every every day. I, I don't know about you. Often every hour for me, I'm feeling uh, high, low, and sort of everything <sighs> in, in between. Absolutely, um, right? absolutely. And of course, yeah. from a standpoint of, I think of all the folks who are managing firms, and it doesn't matter whether you're the largest design firm in the world or a firm of one or two people, you also are very concerned about what the future of design looks like. Well, it, it, exactly. And that's one of the things that I, I wanted to to hear from you, sort of what some of the conversations you might be having with leaders in the design community and, and what people are saying and, and, and thinking at this point. Uh, I was speaking with an economist this morning and prepping for my board of directors tomorrow. And, you know, obviously, the fluctuations in the market. Uh, we are all looking at the fluctuation in our 401ks. Um, we essentially are looking at what could be described as a recessionary period. And the thing about the economy, um, it's cyclical. It will bounce back long term, but short term, right? Um, firms are dealing with how projects are going to be managed or completed. Um, you know, in a six to 12 month period, what will clients be needing once we move beyond precautionary and preparedness and dealing with the aspects of the pandemic, work will still need to happen. And how will that work happen? Because the sheer fact of gathering um, and convening and being in groups of larger than 10 people, you know, that whole aspect of our lives has changed because the 
the disease, it won't be completely eradicated until there is a vaccination developed. And we're a year out from that. So how are we going to manage our health and manage work? That seems to be the, you know, the crux of the conversations that I've been having. And, and people recognizing that re- regardless of how we come out of this, a, a, a new normal is, is mm-hmm. certain to ensue, right? And, mm-hmm. and how Absolutely. We, and maybe we'll, we'll be washing our hands as aggressively as we are now for, for quite some time and just mm-hmm. being much more thoughtful about how we are interacting. And, and as you wrote in your, in your letter to your community, sort of how we think about space, how we think about distance and and all, all of that. You know, it feels like this week, everybody's just getting their heads wrapped around the fact that this is real and it's happening and it's progressing. Um, we've got to cycle through that things are going to get worse before they get better. We're in coping mode. As human beings do, we need to move out of eventually coping mode and move into managing mode. But right now, just mental and emotional health is so incredibly important. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about what you can imagine sort of coming coming out of this. Right. Well, I think there was there is no truer phrase than this too shall pass. And it mm. applies to the economy, it applies to life, and it applies to work. We'll have to wait this out and wait it out. But knowing that we, when we all get back to, right, whatever normal is going to be, we're right. going to be thinking differently about physical space and how we convene and gather uh, and that whether that's work or for play um, or for learning. So how we convene and gather within the context of physical space, preparedness, I think, will be top of mind for everybody. But it's as simple as right. We all had to rethink how we open a door. Um, You think twice now, right, unless you have your hand, unless you have a glove or a, you know, a hand sanitized wipe to open a door. And so I think we're going to pay more attention to access and egress and the things that touch our hands. Um, Even thinking about proximity in places like elevators, um, the places where we wait, Um, public transportation is going to take on a whole new realm. I think about, you know, 100% of my team at IIDA headquarters, uh, we all take public transportation. That was one of the reasons why Um, I moved us to work from home so quickly because for all of us to commute into work, we were surrounded by hundreds of other people. Right. And I think all of those things will be factored in as designers are reconsidering the physical space and the services that they provide for their clients. Yeah. So, so really people are, are, are going to be thinking about design in, in a host of different ways and, and sort of how it can answer some of these concerns mm-hmm. and, and, and some of our sort of new, new reality. Yeah. So uh, are you, are you sort of creating online digital programming? Are you thinking about, I know you had a conference, a whole series of things that you had to cancel or postpone. Right, right. Uh, I think right in kind of this first phase, it's helping people manage life and work at home. And so we'll be publishing a series of just really simple, easy stuff. What are the 10 best apps that keep you productive? Um, Right. Because, again, people are grappling with managing life at home. Um, You know, and some of those will be really practical apps and some of them might be utter time wasters, too, because... (laughs) <laughs> we also can't have our minds, can't watch the news all day. You certainly can't work all day. You need to take a break. Um, you need to think about apps like Headspace that will allow you kind of those mental moments, those Absolutely. mental breaks, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, and then also just productivity. How can we stay more productive? What are those helpful things we can work with people, you know, understanding that you shouldn't work in the same space where you're going to sleep, have, you know, kind of separate those into zones. We've got multiple generations in households. And so how are you dividing up your space at home so that everybody can be productive? And where's your workout space? And make sure you're getting exercise. And then our next iteration of resources will be staying on top of work. How can we, you know, being productive, there will be designers who are still, there are still ongoing projects and working with clients. And, sure. you know, how do you manage those meetings that once upon a time were face-to-face that are incredibly valuable with clients, but then kind of changing that, that cultural moment where we are going to have to have this technological interface. Um, business still needs to happen, right? Yes. And, and interestingly, it, it, different from sort of how it felt in 2008, where I, I felt like business was just disappearing completely. It, it, so many people are highly engaged in projects and people are waiting on deliveries and trying to do installs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it seems as if the world was was thriving just, just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so suddenly everyone is working from home trying to to figure out how to how to juggle what, what seems to be a, for many a, a very heavy workload so I mentioned earlier the the communication that you sent out to to your community can you mm-hmm. can you just sort of p- paraphrase a little bit of of what you what you sent out to people so that Sure. I thought it was, you know, we're all getting flooded with anybody that we've ever made a purchase from or ventured onto their website. We're getting yes. so many. We're getting, like getting so many. Yes. Who knew they still had all our emails? Exactly. It's, it's been helping in cleaning out my inbox. That's a very yeah. valuable activity to do while you're working at home. Um, yeah. But I thought it was really important that the members of IIDA and the IIDA community knew that something like this doesn't cause an organization to disband. If anything, an organization like IIDA is there to support you in all phases of your career, but in also in all phases of your life. And I started that, it was a really personal email for me to write. And I started it with the phrase that I used was, in, in the blink of an eye, our world changed. Because it felt like that, right? It We knew, yes. you know, yes. we were watching the news and listening to the reports, but it felt like it hit all of us almost overnight. And when we're faced with kind of that level of tectonic change, you are shaken emotionally and intellectually. And I really wanted to just extend, um, you know, literally an arm around the entire, my arms around the entire IIDA community. And it wasn't to solicit anything. It wasn't to market anything. It was just to say, IIDA is here for you. We always have been, we always will be, and we'll get through this together. And I offered an email address, support at IIDA.org. Um, for members to reach out and let us know what they're thinking, what they need, what what are they doing to get through this? Um, because I almost want to crowdsource all of these suggestions and then you know turn those back out to the community and say, here are what your peers and colleagues are doing. A little group, a little group therapy for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, and, and then I think it's so helpful to hear, especially from people who have been through slowdowns before the more that they can hear from people that have had that experience. Yeah. And I'm really interested, Dennis, in hearing from when you think about it, 
the students who are graduating, many of them in a few weeks, and then those who will be rising seniors and graduating next year, particularly, they're coming out into the world in a very, very different time than their predecessors have. And I'm also really interested in hearing people working for firms, people are going to be making their next decisions about their employers based on how they're being treated coming through this situation. That, that That's such a great point. Uh, and, and I've been having different conversations with people about how different companies are managing that. And, and mm-hmm. it's, and it's, it's quite a it's quite a range as i'm as i'm sure you're yeah. hearing uh, a, as well and and the companies that are really stepping up and really uh, as you were sort of alluding to earlier really sort of putting their arms uh, around their their teams uh and and sort of taking care of everybody uh i think are the are the ones that are that are really going to come out of this even yeah. stronger yeah we have to take care of people this is a moment where it's people first yes Absolutely. And, you know, you talk about the students, you know, here you and I were uh, what seems like a a year ago, but it was just a couple of weeks ago. We were sitting at that at the gala for the New York School of Interior Design and and raising money for scholarships. And Mm -hmm. and I was talking with with students who who always get me so excited and, Mm -hmm. and, and hopeful about where we're where we're going. And I'm I'm so eager to to sort of see how they are planning for for what they're going to do next uh, around all of this. I think big changes are coming. Design is the business of life. And considering how um, what design will need to do to respond to this crisis, it's just a multifaceted opportunity for designers to help the rest of the world think differently about how we live and work. It's an exciting part of this is thinking about how much thought is already going on in in creative people's minds about how how they're going to to think differently and act differently and design differently coming out of this. Absolutely. So many people being at home are are going to be thinking and feeling very differently about their their homes, and I'm so curious to see the changes that 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 people will make and what people will be most eager to do when we <laughs> do come out of this. Right? Absolutely. Like I, what will they focus on? What you know? What space in their home will they focus on? What what will you see as a priority that you may have not thought about before all of this? I am recording the podcast in the basement of my home, and my goodness, this basement needs a lot of attention. Now that I'm practically living down here, this basement is going to get such an overhaul when this is all over. Well, and again, all of us who are doing uh, Zoom conference calls with video, it's so interesting because people now are thinking about, oh my God, what's behind me while I'm on this call? You know, are my kids walking around behind me? What's going on? Yes. Uh, it, the the world is going to change dramatically when we when we all come out of this. That that mm-hmm. is for sure. Uh, we will we will be smarter. We will be better. We will be stronger. I think the general public uh, will be more um, attentive to obviously health and well being and safety, but also more attentive to the physical environment, to physical space, and what that means in supporting us as human beings. We're taking a quick break from the podcast to hear about BuildLane, an online platform that allows interior designers like you to easily source custom furniture. Many interior designers are still working hard to keep the ball rolling for their clients as things change from day to day. 
BuildLane is offering free resources to help you keep your projects moving forward. Their platform allows designers to easily source custom furniture online. A timely tool as work from home is the new temporary norm. During this time, for any custom furniture quote requests, BuildLane will make free shop drawings to keep projects ready to roll and help orders close now. They're also offering complimentary 3D renderings on all orders placed to provide a tangible resource to share with your clients, keeping them excited and engaged. For $250 off your first order, create your free designer account at buildlane.com boh. That's B-U-I-L-D-L-A-N-E dot com slash B-O-H for $250 off your first order. And now, back to the show. Most listeners will already have heard that High Point's spring market has been rescheduled, with a tentative new start date of June 12th. I spoke with Tom Connolly, the CEO of High Point Market Authority, as he was in the midst of putting the pieces together. He shared the inside story of the difficult decision to postpone market, and talked about how furniture makers plan to make the best of a tricky period. Hi, Tom. Hi, Dennis. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? Hang it in there. What's going on in the office right now? Well, we're a, a little sad, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but it's been a busy, busy previous week, so we're just taking a deep breath. We have an executive committee meeting tomorrow, and we're hoping to set some some dates for the rescheduled market in uh, in June and then a decision deadline in May. And so, you know, life goes on. We have to get with all of our vendors and make sure that we can transfer all the funds that we've deposited to the new dates. And then, of course, if that falls through to uh, October. So we're certainly busy, but uh, yeah. it's, a, it, it's we're, we're, at a, we're at a place we've never been before, you know? Well, so can, can you give me a sense of, of the decision process sort of leading up to ultimately deciding that you, that you had to, to postpone? I mean, I know it's, it's only the first time since the Second World War, right? That's, that's correct. That's correct. Um, yeah, it was a very difficult decision for us uh, in, a number, in many, many ways. Number one, we were looking at other trade shows, both in the industry and outside of the industry. We were looking at our community and some of the preparations that were going on within the community. And then, of course, we were talking to all of our partners and stakeholders and trying to get their best uh, estimate of what was going on. Uh, everything was, was you know, we, I, I think we were um, optimistic, but trying to be realistic as we marched up until probably last Wednesday. And then... Um, you know, as, as they like to say, the stuff hit the fan. And yeah. what we saw was was a lot of decisions being made very, very quickly by a lot of different entities. Uh, we had met with, with, with some of our, our local health department folks on many occasions. The governor weighed in. Uh, the CDC seemed to be changing their tune a little bit. And it became very apparent to us by late Wednesday of last week, and, and, and certainly by the time we got to Thursday at our executive committee met late Thursday afternoon, that there was no alternative but for us to, to uh, try to postpone. Yeah. So, so you, your, your hand was forced somewhat. That... It really and truly was. And yeah. uh, that's okay, because I think we wanted to hold on because we so value this market for the benefit of the buyers and, and the sellers, but I think uh, equally important for the benefit of our community. This has such a large economic impact that we didn't want to let it go 
if we Actually, could, you know. Yeah. So, so what do you think this is this is going to mean? I mean, obviously, we're hopeful that uh, we can we can postpone this in, until the till the summer. But I, I mean, what what's the what's the sense of what this is going to mean for companies that would normally be getting ready to display? You know, that that really is the sixty four thousand dollar question because the companies vary in size. They vary in their number of buyers that they do business with. I mean, we have companies that maybe have four or 500 customers, but as a matter of fact, they only have 20 to 30 customers that represent 80, 90% of their business. Those folks will be, I think, on the road or finding ways to reach those 20 or 30 customers uh, to make sure that they can keep their factories busy and make sure that they get their initial orders and and they and and then they will slowly but surely reach their other customers who are smaller customers, nonetheless important, but you know smaller right. smaller customers so the challenges will be many they they will be varied, and in some cases um, it isn't necessarily true that the exhibitors have all of the samples yet. Uh, there were stories of samples being air freighted in, which of course is very expensive. There are exhibitors that continue to set up their showrooms, perhaps in the hope of a June event, but also then maybe to do some photography. Well, it's no substitute for a market that the customer gets a good enough feel that they can place in order to keep the factories going. Are you suggesting that there are people that are coming and setting up their showrooms regardless, sort of in anticipation of of whenever things do return to to normal? Yes. Yes, we're, 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 we're seeing it still. Not to the extent that we would be sitting here um, right. late, late, late March, you know, given an April market. But yes, there are still people working on showrooms. Absolutely. So you mentioned you're having sort of an executive meeting to sort of take the temperature, I, I assume, of, of, of how everyone's feeling about the time frame. Yes. I think what we tried to, to do because we were under so much pressure, we quickly got a, a notice out that we were postponing market, looking at uh, the first couple of weeks in in June with a with an early May decision so that folks could begin to to plan. Since that press release has gone out, we've been on the, the phone with hoteliers and and with others in the community, uh, colleges for graduation, things like that. Uh, we just want to make sure that from a logistical standpoint we we are as prepared as we can possibly be. What are the what are the companies that would normally be be showing? What are what are they saying to you right now? What are some of the big furniture companies saying about how they want to to proceed? Yeah, I think you know we we tried to take the pulse of as many of the bigger and sort of medium sized companies that we possibly could. Some were in favor of just plain canceling, others were in favor of postponing and trying to do it again. Once we made the decision, everybody said you did what you had to do. It makes sense. And I think the fact that we'll be able to come up with a decision in in early May in terms of go, no go, and we're not planning on opening a registration until we have reopening a registration, rather, we shut it down when we made the decision to postpone market, Um, that that we are are not going to really do anything other than prepare uh, to to move forward once we can get uh, that when we, once we can hit that decision date and, in fact, make a decision on whether there will be a June market. Uh, you know, with the, the pace of change, I, I have no idea. As I'm here talking to you right now, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's even 50-50 that we would have a June event, but I could be pleasantly surprised if we were to revisit 
um, this conversation in two to two to three weeks. You, you know, the, every, everything is changing that fast, Dennis. So, so your feeling is that you'll you, you'll you'll see what's happening, but uh, but that you're, you're not overly optimistic that June will be the the time for for Correct. right now. I think and, that's very well yeah. said. Yes. Yeah. How do you think companies will will try and and get information out to the the huge design community that would normally be coming? We may be relying on 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 um, uh, some sort of audiovisual presentation, as rough as that may be, at least yeah. to get some ideas out in front. There will probably be drawings. There'll probably be photographs. There may be some some uh, AV. Uh, you know, it, every, and everybody's just got to figure out what works and how to best do it. A lot depends on the product and what they're what they want, what the features and benefit of that particular product are. And I'm assuming that they all have the product, which is not necessarily the right assumption is sitting here in the middle of March, you know? Right, exactly. So not all the manufacturers may even have all of their samples yet. Correct. Everything because, Correct. Of, because of all of these delays. Have you, have you heard anything from any of the companies about how they are going to manage the shutdowns, I assume shutdowns of manufacturing facilities in the, in the short term? It's a little tough to work from home and still run a CNC machine, you know? So uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as efficient as those machines are. That's they, right. That's, they, that's, they that's, don't that's, run themselves. They don't run <laughs> themselves. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there will have to be some, not only uh, there's always great safety precautions, but I'm sure there's going to be some huge health precautions going forward. I wonder if, uh, if, you, if you feel like there's going to be this sort of pent up uh, demand, and, and that once we do get through this, that uh, a lot of people are are going to want to be uh, working on their homes and coming to market. What's your what's your sense there? Yes, I what what I'm very hopeful of is that not only will the industry respond favorably, I think we'll have a great October market, obviously, but <clears throat> there's usually a lead lag effect. So. Uh, the Fed going back and raising rates and, and uh, uh, things like that should be a little bit delayed. And so what I'm hoping is that there was, there was all sorts of talk about new housing starts being pretty, pretty favorable. Obviously, with low rates, people are able to refinance. And in fact, uh, this morning's journal talked about people out refinancing already. They have jobs, assuming that those, that those jobs have been secured, even though businesses may be slowing down. Um, people refinancing so they'll have cash in their in their jeans and, and, and hopefully be able to buy some more home furnishings. We could see a real resurgence in the fourth quarter of 2020 and uh, moving into 21, uh, seeing some really nice, nice growth once we get over this thing. We're taking a quick break to remind designers about Henry Built and their new line of furniture, Primary Objects. Intelligent luxury, one piece at a time. Consider primary objects as building blocks for your kitchen, wardrobe, or bath. Armoires, bars, and pantries can be combined with your existing design project or integrated into Henry Built's interchangeable fitting system, OpenCase. Plus, each piece is made by hand in the good old USA, so you'll know the materials and quality are top-notch. A trade program is available, and pieces can be viewed in Henry Built showrooms in New York, the Bay Area, Seattle, and soon to open in L.A. Visit henrybuilt.com to learn more. No one knows retail like Warren Schulberg. He's covered the subject for decades as a journalist at every publication of note, including Business of Home. I gave him a ring to find out what effect COVID-19 will have on the way we shop. 
Hi, Warren. Hi there, Dennis. So normally, Warren, as you know, my guests are sitting right beside me, so I know exactly where they are. But in this case, you and I are speaking remotely. So so where are you at the moment? I'm in uh, the sunny south in Atlanta. So a, a lot of the big trade shows uh, started to get either canceled or postponed in, in the past few weeks. What, what, what's been your sense of, of all of that? Well, I think what we've seen is is the entire wave of uh, spring B two B wholesale shows canceled. So that's that's furniture, that's housewares, that's tabletop, that's textiles, home decor, uh, fabrics. Uh, all of them have been canceled, and and frankly, uh, some of them are talking about rescheduling. But I'd be surprised. The ones that are twice a year. Uh, do have a second event scheduled in the fall, usually September, October, and right. assuming things have returned to some norm- normalcy, they will uh, they'll be back on the agenda. Are, are people sort of reaching out to you and saying that they're trying to to plan as best they can for for June or or July or? Uh, is everyone sort of taking a wait and see attitude? Yeah, it just it's such a moving target that uh, what you say on Friday may not be valid on Monday anymore. So um, the summer shows, which are, skew a little bit more towards gift and home decor and less towards furniture, uh, are still on schedule. Uh, if those shows happen, I think they're going to be monster blockbuster shows. There will be pent up demand for uh, stores to get uh, some goods on their shelves uh, and for wholesalers to move uh, their inventories, which are going to start to back up. So um, if those summer shows happen, there a, a lot of the buying activity is going to is going to get re- uh, replaced and happen then. Is that your sense of, of what's likely to happen, that there's a lot of pent-up demand right now, that people are just going to be rejoicing once this is, has passed and, and, and there'll just be a wave of enthusiasm and, and, and buying? Yeah, I think so. We are, uh, we are nothing if not resilient shoppers. And uh, so uh, people <laughs> yeah. uh, who, who have been starved from spending their, their, uh, their incomes, uh, disposable or otherwise, I think are going to head back to stores and start buying stuff. Uh, the question is, is obviously how long does this last and how much worse does it get at the retail level? You know, we've seen probably about a dozen national retailers have have announced that they've closed, and that's everyone from Apple to Nike to Urban Outfitters, uh, yeah. Patagonia. Um, yeah, and, and and is your sense that 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 likely everyone on the retail front is is going to have to do that ultimately? That everyone's going to have to close for some period of of time? At the rate things are going, I, I have a feeling there's going to be um, across the board uh, store closings and shopping center closings within within the next week. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hard to imagine otherwise. Uh, although I keep getting my coupon emails from Bed Bath and Beyond. So yes, uh, yes, sound, and, right. Uh, it sounds yeah. like they're eager for me to come and get my my spring patio wear. Well, what's interesting is that most of these uh, retailers are keeping their e-commerce business, but uh, Patagonia shut down theirs, and they said they basically don't want their people coming in to work in their distribution centers and their ordering centers. So uh, we might see more of that too. I don't know. Uncharted territory. 
Exactly, uncharted territory, and you and you wonder if the people that that have the stronger e-commerce presence, uh, if this will be an opportunity for them. You you try to think of where the opportunities might be coming coming out of this. I was trying to remember, and I don't know what what you historical perspective you have around this, but I was trying to remember after nine eleven and sort of what the what the retail scene was was like do you have strong recollections there yeah um i uh worked uh, just a couple of blocks from uh, from macy's and herald square back then so um um you know there was certainly less activity but mm. but people kind of got back into the swing of things if you remember the sporting events came back baseball came back within a week and and right. the theaters opened up and i i, I think there was a real sense that um uh we wanted to prove that that we could get back to normal and this was not going to stop american society um and so it bounced back pretty quickly uh obviously at that point e-commerce was not anywhere near what it is today uh yeah. you know amazon was was doing okay but but didn't have anywhere near the market penetration do you think then that this has sort of lasting impacts on 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 the retail landscape? It's a great question, and I I, I wish I knew. You okay. know the 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 kind of seismic changes in industries um, happen with these fluke occurrences and uh, uh, processes that might have taken. Uh, you know, five years to play out suddenly get accelerated. So it's possible that physical retailing will 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 deteriorate faster because of this, and e-commerce will gain uh, market share faster than this. Um, but- well, that's sort of what I was wondering. Were there some trends that were already in place prior to all of this happening that now seem likely to to accelerate? Uh, the, the investing in e-commerce will, uh, of course, uh, only expand dramatically, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would think so. I think retailers and retailing companies that aren't uh, that aren't up to speed uh, online are going to have to make some serious investments. And that may mean closing stores faster. I think we're going to see that. But they're clearly, e-commerce is going to gain market share. So, so you think it's, it's likely to, to shy a lot of people away from physical spaces? Because I, I, I feel as if we were just starting to come to maybe a, a soft landing place around actual physical stores and they were looking better suddenly for a lot of businesses. But yeah, you, I agree with you. The the right? yes, the 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 acceleration of e-commerce had, had was starting to level off. Physical stores were were starting to realize what they needed to do to to be competitive and relevant, and some of them were doing some pretty good jobs. So I yeah. I, I absolutely agree that it was um, it had it was starting to level off a, a, a bit. But this could change everything. Um, now I'll put the the uh the caveat on you know i i don't know w- what your memories of 911 were but i i remember all these people saying that this had sobered up america and we were going to stop being so frivolous and catty and petty and <laughs> yes. we were going to focus on what was in how long did that last yeah about an hour and a half you know and then the kardashians yeah. came along and yeah. and 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 uh everything uh, broke <laughs> loose so and 
you know, the first decade of the 2000s were the most uh, period of greatest conspicuous consumption in the history of mankind. So um, predictions in, in a, with so many unknowns, and, and this is unprecedented uh, territory, um, all, those, all those logical predictions may not happen. Yeah. Yeah. So let's try and find the positive here, Warren, you and I. Let's 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 think about the good things that are that are going to come out of this. As you were saying earlier, people are going to come out of this. They are going to be so ready to shop for their home, especially after spending weeks in their home and seeing all the things that need to be done. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, once they clear away the piles of of toilet paper um, and uh, and uh, get a look at what their house looks like, yes, they will absolutely say, "Oh my God, uh, how did we let it get this bad?" You know, I think you're going to see two things. Uh, assuming things have settled down by by May, um, and again, I'm I'm not a scientist or a doctor, so. I don't even play one on a podcast. So um, at a wholesale level, a B2B level, these summer shows and markets are going to be uh, very strong. So I think you're going to see that. And then I think uh, in the summer, uh, when people are comfortable going out, um, obviously in warmer weather, they're going to want to get out. They're going to have serious cabin fever. Yes. Um, I, I, I think th- I think there will be a, 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 a lot of pent up demand for shopping and, and for purchasing things. And that begs the question, um, you know, a month ago or even three weeks ago, the, the retailers and the wholesalers were worried about their inventory situations. They felt that uh, their supply chains had been cut from China and that they were going to have um, absolutely empty shelves and they weren't going to yeah. have goods. And I think that's turned out to be a, uh, a hidden plus in that uh, they, um, they, uh, they did stop ordering and they did stop receiving goods. So the fall off in retail traffic is not impacting uh, inventory levels as bad as it would have been had, had replenishments been continuing. So when uh, shoppers get back into stores, um, it's quite possible the timing will align and uh, the pipelines will be flowing again from Asia and the stuff will be on the stores. Again, there will be some some seminal changes in in society and purchasing patterns. Yes, really hard to figure out what they're going to be, but but to say that people are not going to get back into shopping is 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 just wrong. No, they no. will, uh, of course. They they always have, uh, and 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 they always will, and we yep. will we will get through this. Uh, Warren, thank you so much for making the time to to talk with us. We were eager to hear your perspective, and I, I really appreciate it. Well, always good to talk to you, and uh, everybody should just uh, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, yes. and God forbid, just don't touch anything, all right? Exactly. Wash those hands when we wrap up this interview, Warren, okay? <laughs> <It's a deal. laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you again, and please do take care of yourself, really. You too, Dennis. Thanks. Much appreciated. Bye. Eric Edelson is the CEO of California tile maker Fireclay. A few weeks back, Eric conducted a what-if exercise with his leadership team, asking them how they'd navigate an unexpected challenge. It turned out to be a timely experiment. Eric is an innovator and a thoughtful leader. We chatted about the steps his team is taking to stay safe and emerge stronger after whatever comes next.
Eric, before we get started, can you quickly explain to audience members who might not know about Fireclay Tile a little bit about the business and how it works? So Fireclay Tile, we are a 162-person tile manufacturing and retail business in Northern California. Uh, got started in 1986, and I would say we make the world's most beautiful tile. And we manufacture in Northern California. We sell through uh, our own showroom in San Francisco, and then we have an online residential sales team and a commercial team distributed across major cities in the United States. Uh, so you know, it's, I always call us a, a truly vertically integrated company, going from dust to doorstep, and uh, take tremendous pride in the artisan craftsmanship of our product. So uh, the story has been a, a fun journey for me. I've been here for 11 years, partnered with its founder in, in 2009, just in the middle of the uh, financial crisis of 2008. Uh, so in some ways, have have a bit of experience some, managing yeah, through some these ways times. Training. Yeah. You brought your team in for a meeting. I want to say, was it a week ago, roughly, for a sort of a what-if meeting? That's right. To, to sort of talk about what if this turns out to be what it actually has turned out to be. So, so, so tell me about that, that meeting and the discussion and sort of what's happened from there. I guess for the last few months, to be frank, I've been just thinking about you know, a, a potential downturn and started actually reaching out to a number of peer leaders, both in the design and other industries, just to kind of get feedback or thoughts about you know, what if a recession were to come and how to think about planning for that. You know, last Tuesday, I felt it was the right time to, I guess, surprise our leadership team. You know, I described the scenario at hand, which is, I think at that time, the stock market had dropped maybe 10%. And, you know, I said, what if? I said, what if we go into a recession? What if our business stays flat? What if our business drops? And basically said, take 20 minutes. Uh, we had actually, you know, been recently finishing our 2020 planning and budgeting and goal setting. So they had all of that information very fresh. They had all of their own department financials right in front of them. And everyone went away for 20 minutes and then came back and spent five minutes sharing, you know, what changes they would make within the organization to help ensure that our company and business were set up for success for the long term. So that was the exercise. It lasted an hour. It produced a kind of a, I guess, a Google slide deck of different scenarios. I think we could all say things have been accelerated a bit, but but that was the the exercise that we did at that time. What was the what was the thinking and and what was sort of the the, the action plan that kind of came out of that meeting, if there was one? The lead up to the meeting, I mean, the, the conversation in some ways felt out of place. We, we grew tremendously last year. Our business was up or is up forty percent this year. So, by all accounts, business is very healthy and very good and very strong, and uh, demand has been booming. Right. You know, one of the things that we did talk about was what were our leading indicators? What were the indicators that we were going to be looking at to yes. see change? And so for us, you know, those were on the financial side, cash, you know, just honestly daily deposits uh, on the sales side, you know, things like web traffic, things like uh, quoting, things like sales uh, and just direct bookings. So we kind of had a, a kind of a roadmap for different teams to have different leading indicators, which which in many ways are indicators we track. We have weekly team meetings with all of our managers we, where we go through every single team's numbers from the prior week. So so these are things that we're pretty in tune with anyway. But mm -hmm. I think more importantly, it was that thought-provoking exercise for our team to just kind of be a bit sober for a minute and, and think realistically if something were to happen. So at, at what point did uh, some of these leading indicators start to tell you that, that things had dramatically shifted for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, as of right now, 
Khalidi. Or, or, or maybe like, they haven't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? I yeah, mean, I mean, and in some ways they haven't yet. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah. there's there's still a lot of of strength and demand out there. You're getting feedback that a lot of projects are are ongoing, regardless of where these projects are going on, and so people are waiting for for products still. A- absolutely. Um, okay. absolutely. Yes. Uh, and okay. you know, we've, we, uh, you know, I think if you talk to our sales team today, you know, they're, they're seeing a lot of you know, tremendous resiliency as architects and designers are shifting their model, you know, their business and, and kind of going in home. And so there's, there's definitely a, you know, a lot of enthusiasm and momentum within the industry to keep projects moving at this point in time. Absolutely. Are, are, are people on your team, are, are they, are they feeling very anxious? Are they feeling very nervous or do you feel that you've been so communicative with them that everyone sort of has a sense of what's going on. And so I, I think it's a great question. We've been really communicative with our team. So one of our core values is this idea of, of ganas and ganas is a, a Spanish word really for heart or desire or, or, or will. And, and so I think in these moments and, and we're workers, right? We're makers. Uh, we're, we're, we've been in manufacturing our, our whole lives. Like this is what we do. So, so, you know, moving forward work, this is what we know and this is what we love. So I think, you know, we have, we have just shifted our work and, and our mentality. So for all of our, our leaders, for all of our different teams, you know, people have sprung into action really quick. Uh, our teams also just really kind of started to think differently about how they were going to do work. Uh, not just kind of the, the, the typical work of, you know, maybe kind of interacting with clients, responding to sample requests, quoting, but really kind of personal development. So how are we going to use this time most effectively? And it's been just like incredible seeing our team. I mean, they've been forming book clubs uh, to talk about sales strategies. They've been talking huh. about book clubs to talk about customer service strategies. I mean, it's it's actually, I mean, the, the amount of kind of just resource sharing and kind of full-on action orientation that people have done to kind of adapt to a different way of thinking has has really just honestly been, been humbling to watch from our team. Um, that's that, so, that's so fantastic. Good, good, good for them. And, and yeah, but on the communication side, I think that that's been really important to us. So Friday, we sat down and kind of just mapped everything out. Um, everything from, you know, how are we going to handle uh, questions from our employees? Um, how are we going to kind of manage messaging? How are we going to manage safety? Everything from communication timelines to actions to to kind of financial management. There, there, there'll be mornings where I just start texting a ton of different people in the organization. How are you doing? How is your family? Uh, or calling people and just kind of trying to have that human connection. Um, certainly, everyone kind of takes this a little bit differently and just really trying to kind of focus on the people. So so we've had kind of, as we've navigated this thing, we always say we have three guiding principles that are kind of guiding our, our efforts through this. So the first principle has been keep our employees safe, informed, and secure. Second has been maintain support for our clients and our business. And third is we will continue to practice love and kindness. We will not discriminate or harass anyone during this challenging period. So, so those three bullet points have really kind of been what has guided myself and has guided our leadership team as we've been navigating what's what's currently happening and unfolding real time. What are you What are you assuming is going to happen in the in the next few weeks? What are you planning for right right now? I think we have to rely on our experts and we have to rely on the institutions that we trust to help us navigate. Uh, through this because it's it's far more than just about our business or or one of our vendors business it's it's really about everyone um so so i think we're looking at the experts and and honestly dennis it's 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 hard to know i have yeah uh, i i probably probably just you know honestly i guess between you and me on this podcast and everyone else (laughs) that that listens uh you know i oscillate from you know tremendous enthusiasm as i hear different reports uh to to you know worry and concern Uh, so i think i think 
trying to take a prudent and responsible approach to enhance you know the welfare of our team, you know, as it relates to their health and safety, uh, and then certainly financially is, is is really important. But again, really focusing on love and kindness. We've been you know reaching out to our vendors and just checking in with them and seeing how they're doing. And and again, some of that is in mass, and some of that is in personal outreach. Uh, so I've been sending mass emails to them with with clear updates. But then individual team members who have those individual relationships are are also reaching out. Uh, we've certainly been reaching out to our clients and and both on kind of uh, again mass communication with updates um, along with really specific information around their orders and what's going on, just making sure people feel communicated to and heard during a time of uncertainty. Well, I think that's that's really the, the best that we can do at, at, at this point. And there's yeah. so much we don't we, there's so much we don't know and and so much is likely to to change dramatically in the in the coming weeks. But uh, but it sounds as if you're uh, no no surprise being being very thoughtful. But I, I, I really appreciate you making the time to to talk with us. Uh, I, I was eager to hear your perspective, and as I say, I'm I'm very eager to have you on the show for uh, for a full interview about around all that you've uh, that you've done and all that you've built. Well, Dennis, I I, I meant it when I said it. Uh, just joining this conversation, which is we've been a huge fan of you and what Business of Home has been doing to just really educate the broader design community and, and the community of home right now. And I think uh, my wife, who spent a long time in home. You know, one of her comments over the past you know few days has been just you know home is going to be more important than ever, and so you know really kind of cherishing the home and investing in making your home feel wonderful and feel like everything that it should be is going to be you know we think very important going forward. So uh, anything we can do to support that is is you know we're we're right there and excited to do it. Thanks for listening. Having these conversations was a great reminder that in times of uncertainty, we're all in this together and we'll come out on the other side even stronger. Please stay safe and healthy. This podcast was produced by Fred Nikolaus and Marina Felix and edited by Nina Pollack. I'm Dennis Scully. See you next time.